Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Spice of Life podcast. I'm the host of the show, Chef Taylor Duncan, and this is episode eight. Today we have my friend Joshua Fitzwater from Southern Grit Magazine. Hey Josh, how you doing today, man? Hey Chef, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, I've enjoyed uh, some of your shows in the past, so I'm real uh, real excited about us, about us talking uh, Virginia food for sure. Oh yeah, man, it's going to be a really uh, awesome time. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your you know your background, your history. Tell me everything, Josh Fitzwater. <laughs> uh, all right, narcissism. Okay, uh, seven, <laughs> seven, seven years ago, um, I created uh, Southern Grit Magazine uh, with a guy by the name of uh, Chris Bellini, and um, we we're both in Hampton Roads, and we felt like the Hampton Roads scene and the greater Virginia scene did not get its due. And although back then, I, I don't know uh, all that I know now about Virginia foodways. Uh, I think we were on to something because um, ultimately uh, the birthplace of so many American dishes came from Virginia and, and uh, not enough people realize that. And so uh, anyways, uh, we created a magazine uh, based in Hampton Roads about food. Uh, we really engaged with a lot of chefs, um, local businesses, uh, got into the history aspects of the area. Um, and started developing this magazine. Uh, Chris would move um, about a year into it. Um, so pretty much from the second edition on, uh, I was running it and just absolutely falling you know, in love with food and the, the food scene in Hampton Roads. And then a couple years later, I decided to kind of grow it. I, I always wanted this to be more uh, the state of Virginia and then going into the greater South. Um, and so after, after I would say, ooh, Five years, uh, four and a half, five years, the last, you know, two years plus, I've been really working on this being a, a, a statewide Virginia uh, publication and getting really into uh, the history of Virginian food has kind of been a, a really central focus of the magazine for the last um, two years. I guess the last thing I would say, because I'm sure everybody's bored about me talking about myself, is uh, – <laughs> Uh, I also, you know, contribute a lot of food journalism to uh, 13 News Now. Uh, I've contributed stuff to the Virginia Pilot, uh, contributed stuff to, there, there used to be other local publications. So anytime I've been able to kind of like contribute uh, food uh, journalism to uh, outlets in Virginia. Oh, and also The Tide, I had a, a food radio show um, for a while as well. So, and what yeah, was that called? Uh, Grit with Deb and Fitz. Uh, and can people still listen to that? Is that still available? Yeah, we should have. Uh, I got a Deb's uh, more uh, technologically uh, advanced than me, and I know on the website, uh, southerngreatmagazine.com, there should be old episodes up, and we're about to kind of begin the second incarnation of the Southern Grit. We'll probably start with a podcast and then move into a radio show. That's what we did last time. We, we had a podcast, and then uh, we moved into um, – the actual radio show, not that either one, the way platforms are now, I was honestly podcasts are in a lot of ways bigger than radio shows, but um, we'll probably do something similar like that just to kind of set up shop at a, at a station somewhere in, in Virginia, whether it be Richmond or Hampton Roads. No, that's amazing. And you guys definitely need to check out Southern Grit because it's, they have some phenomenal content. I've been checking it out, you know, pretty substantially over the past two weeks. Um, I was familiar with it before we talked, but not 
to the point where I've actually read it before. So I've, I've been more interested in looking at your Instagram and looking at your website and stuff like that. So for the listeners that don't know, can you explain what exactly Southern Grit focuses on? Yeah, so it would probably be easier to, to talk about. Um, so recently we did a big piece on Shenandoah Valley Barbecue Chicken, which is a huge you know, rich history of a, of a, of a type of barbecue in the Shenandoah Valley area of Virginia. So we met with, um, the daughter of the, one of the main pioneers of Shenandoah Valley chicken, who's no longer with us, a guy by the name of Dave Shirky. And we met with his daughter and we, we met with his granddaughter as well. Um, and, uh, we basically like got into the history of like why, you know, helping people understand what goes into a Shenandoah Valley barbecue chicken cook. Uh, these these are like large uh, cooks uh, in, um, you know, these concrete pits. And, uh, you know, it's nothing for them to do, you know, 500 half chickens, 1,000 half chickens. It takes like a full team. Um, there's, you know, this, this sauce that's like, or base that's like super, uh, it, uh, centric to the taste so we're talking about you know vinegars and others and other spices mixed in and uh you know obviously it's over fire and and so we met with them and and got to know his history and we're able to kind of get these old photos together that she brought with her and and then with that we also went to like a, a really big cook by the broadway lions um and a pit master by the name of john nepper and both photographed and filmed the whole thing and, and wrote an article about that. So we had a really like the last print edition and then they're up online now. You know, it's this kind of like breakdown of like what Shenandoah Valley barbecue chicken is, why it's important, you know, who who helped create it, uh, and then the legacy that it leaves now on Virginia foodways and why why it should be celebrated. Um, no, it's definitely an amazing concept to talk about too, because you know, when we really think about it at the end of the day people really should be interested in where the food comes from in Virginia. Cause you know, you know, we both live here. We're both passionate about food. You know, anybody that lives in coastal Virginia should be interested in where their food is coming from and where the food originated and all that kind of stuff. It's super fascinating to me as a chef. And I know it's super fascinating to you as well. And I just think that more people should educate themselves on it. And I think Southern grit is doing the right thing, informing people about that stuff. Well, we'll go ahead and blow each other right now. I think you're, I think you're very much like talking to some of the right people on your show, and so that's one of the reasons why I was really stoked to to be a part of this uh, show is that, you know, you're talking to people that are making Virginia foods, or like in the case of Paul, somebody that's like you know literally raising the the hogs that go into barbecues and different sausage making and 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 all sorts of things, and and so you know people, it, it's weird because when I was in when I was primarily in Hampton Roads and any, anytime I would talk to either foodies or some chefs, I don't want to say all of them because there's a lot of chefs that are like super educated and mm-hmm. so they know better, but like, you know, you would hear things like, you know, we're so far behind like these other scenes. So whether, and you know, we're mid, that's a mid market also, but you would hear comparisons to like, say a, you know, LA or New York. or. or I mean, I agree with that though, because I will say, I don't think the Virginia food scene is, it's not on the sub same par as like, you know, Charleston, South Carolina or anything like that, where they highlight all the Southern foods and, you know, Virginia, they have good, food scenes but i don't think that we have any crazy amazing restaurants you know i think there's some really good ones but there's nothing really kind of you know blow your mind 
and I think it's cool to touch on that and talk about restaurants that are utilizing that kind of stuff, you know? Well, uh, so I think, I think I have two opinions about that. So, um, I think that what's going on in the places that maybe are not as good here, uh, is that people are actually chasing these trends. When you, when you bring up like Charleston, that's actually a really good example of how to do it right. So Mm -hmm. they're very, they're very engaged in like their own food history and they've essentially taken that and then whether it be rediscovering rice or, or, re, or the Gullah culture or any other thing that you're going to see from the better things coming out of there, you're going to see that they're engaging with what is intrinsically theirs and what, so in some cases, what was forgotten before they started to like really get that scene going. And the thing that's going on here is that there actually are some really great restaurants that don't get their due. And then there's some other people that are savvier with, with certain types of social media and Mm -hmm. things that are, that are essentially interpreting things that aren't from here. And, and here's, here's why that's the wrong approach. So the first chef de cuisine of America is, is from Virginia. So a guy by the name of James Hemmings, who was enslaved uh, under Thomas Jefferson, Mm-hmm. Went over, went over to France, or was brought over to France, I should say, and came back from France and literally brought over here dishes that are so synonymous with American food, and they were all born in Virginia, essentially. So we're talking about macaroni and cheese, for example. It, you know, is is totally the American interpretation of that that's based on the French interpretation was from James Hemings first. Right. Barbecue. American barbecue, as we know it, began in Virginia, and it began right. in the hands of enslaved men. And it was the, as Joe Haynes likes to say, the author of Virginia Barbecue History. It's the creolization of the of African cooking, of the African pitmaster, with indigenous cooking techniques, and the European trench and Euro, European vinegar, and to some degree, uh, poor white people as well. Uh, so it's it's. Um, what we're doing, and then this this goes like across the board with so many other dishes that when you think about American food, it all started in Virginia. And it makes sense because, you know, early colonies and then and then it spread out as the country developed. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the Afri- the, the really tr- intrinsic African-American influence, then we're talking about, you know, as the Great Migration happened, these these food wastes, you know, spread out and they all came from Virginia barbecue for example when people think about that they think you know texas or they think uh carolina right and they right. think they, they even think vinegar when they think carolina well all of that comes from virginia like all of it and oh yeah literally haynes to his credit because he's an incredible um researcher has tracked down you know these old newspaper ads and these old political ads where People are literally having Virginia barbecues in Carolina, in Texas, before those barbecue scenes even really existed. And so if you just think about that in like a restaurant way and like the types of dishes that, that people are serving, you're going to see things that are that are in, in Virginia restaurants that are dishes that are not from here or their interpretations often of Virginia mm-hmm. dishes as they went out and then came back. And, and if people, if, if some of the people that are making a lot of noise in restaurants would kind of really engage with the history of Virginia food, 
they menus can start being created they're based around virginia foods that were the forebears to a lot of other dishes that would come later that were interpretations or as people moved out and a, a similar thing like charleston could happen where there's mm-hmm. so much rich food history here it's it's the fact that people are not engaging enough with that history or don't know yeah. it and i'm not trying to talk, i'm not trying to talk down anybody because believe me when i started southern grit i had some general ideas and some things i knew but you know i didn't know about the rich history of say yak in hampton roads that some people don't even know what that is mm-hmm. or I, I didn't know how deep and and how intrinsic to the american story virginia barbecue was and, and what that i mean literally like can you think of another dish in america that's more synonymous with american food than barbecue like i can't like i feel like if you say barbecue people people think about American not food. other than like stuff that goes with barbecue you know like the yeah. sides and stuff like other than that i can't think of anything else and it's yeah, definitely but, like one of the most iconic things yeah and and so the fact that literally in virginia that's where it all started i mean i'm not saying people were not cooking over fire before but oh well of course the actual the actual term barbecue and this is to haynes i should give this is why everybody right now that's listening to this should go buy haynes's book (laughs) yes no it's phenomenal i've been reading it too guys i've read about half and it's really good it's so well researched, uh, and and so you know a lot. What I'm a lot of things I'm going to say is from reading him and working with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all props to Joe Haynes uh, when it comes to barbecue. He was he was kind of my. So have you worked showed, with him personally? Yeah. So I've done uh, I've done cooks with him. Um, so we've recreated. Now he was doing this before me, but I've done several with him since. Uh, We've done several Virginia barbecues, so it's digging a hole in the ground, um, you know, laying the meat over long rods, which would be wood back in the day. Mm-hmm. But we were, you know, we were using, uh, uh, you know, mo- a little, a few other modern conveniences like rebarb and stuff like that. But um, uh, yeah, we, I've done several authentic, decently large scale cooks with uh, with Joe Haynes and also another pitmaster by the name of Alex Baysmore out of Suffolk. Okay, and and um, so we we did one of those um, at an event Southern Grit through through in uh, Norfolk a couple of years back Barbecue Wars, which is an annual thing we, we that we do with different pitmasters. I have Virginia. heard of that. You still do that yeah, every we, year. Well, the pandemic had a stop, but we yeah. we plan on doing the third uh, iteration. Uh, I, I was actually talking to a pitmaster in Norfolk about that the other day. Uh, we plan on doing that again, but but I, the key component of that that I think was maybe more interesting than even the awesome competition between the different pitmasters at those events is that, you know, we did this whole process in front of people that would come around and ask questions and like Joe would talk, mm-hmm. and then we followed that followed that up with like you know a a, a magazine edition that was heavily about this this process of cooking, and um, you would not believe the amount of interest that happened at that event based on just seeing that process because when you when you see that process mm-hmm. you realize, you realize i mean we're talking about you know you ever tried you know digging a giant pit and and you know lifting up whole hogs and, and i have not it. but i've definitely seen it done and i know how much work goes into it so so now think about think about that back in the day when those pit masters didn't have a choice when they oh, when they yeah. 
they were in because I've been in those pits by choice. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I get a little emotional thinking about this because this is this is the reason why it it's it's this weird thing going on where when I see like Texas barbecue in in Virginia or I see North Carolina barbecue in Virginia, I see like a North Carolina sauce or a Texas application or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like because I've been in those pits by choice and like I've literally worked so hard that like the next day I, I could not stand up straight because my back was just like, yeah, you're done. Like call it, call it, call it a couple oh, of days. Oh, I'm sure because people aren't meant to do that kind of, you know, physical labor like that. No, no thermometers. They had no, yeah, exactly. No, no thermometers. So they're doing this by, by feel they're doing this. Yeah. That's crazy too. I didn't think about that. The thermometer thing, like they're just doing it by time and by texture and. Exactly. And, and literally these men and women to some degree, uh, created this style of food in Virginia. Right. And then anytime that anybody thinks about barbecue, in Virginia, they're going to tell you about this Texas style barbecue place or this North Carolina style barbecue mm-hmm. place. And literally it began right here in the old dominion. And so that's, that's, that's like the crazy part. And again, by people that didn't have a choice, but were still the craftsmen of the highest order. And, and it's, it's, um, it, it that is an example of why we've got to get back to learning about our Virginia foodways and and engaging with them. I mean, I want to see more Brunswick stew on menus, and mm-hmm. I don't mean like, I don't mean like thin. I made it on the stove. I, I want to see people getting you know big ass pots and over over you know fire and knowing that it's not done until you can stick the ore that you're stirring it in straight up in the air because it's so thick. Like I mm-hmm. want to see, you know, I, I want to see and it, you know, sorry to be blunt about this, but I, I want to see somebody other than african-american people talking to me about yak i want white people to know what yak is you know what right. i mean like one of the one of the most interesting dishes that has a huge uh i don't know if it, we were the first but like when people when people think about uh you know this they think about drunk food and they think about new orleans but there's this huge virginia tie where even today the noodles and yak noodles are made in norfolk at this giant factory that's been around in different iterations for like, I think like a hundred years or something, maybe more. It's wow. called fiber foods. It used to be called the Norfolk noodle company. And wow. there's like, that's this big Asian, uh, Asian influence that we have in Hampton roads that, that brought that here. And it, it may have came from New York. I'm not sure. Uh, we're, we're still looking into it. Uh, but it's this thing that like is a huge traditional, you know, Virginian food, that you know if you're not a person of color you probably don't know what it is you know what i mean and honestly i didn't know what it was i just looked it up yeah yeah so that's that's another that's another example of like a there's and there's so many like many of the mainstream uh foods that we think about uh you know have either an origin with hemmings or they have an origin with like early cooks and it, it's it's all virginia and so really that's kind of been like one of my motivating forces along with Deb Freeman, she's the managing editor of the magazine and and a phenomenal national food writer. Um, We've been trying to kind of like get people interested in Virginia, uh, Virginia foods. And also, again, not talking down to anybody because I was not 
as engaged as as I am now. But right. Uh, but get you know chefs and people that actually like are 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 the ones that make the scene what it is using and 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 doing riffs on these dishes and getting back to ultimately you know the roots of 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 if not the one of the most influential states on american food and no, so that it really is yeah yeah all right man so next question i have for you so have you worked any restaurants in virginia before yeah, so uh, uh, I worked at Novell Kitchen uh, under a uh, really talented chef, uh, Rena Estero, and uh, her husband, Luke, also owns the restaurant. Um, it's on, it's in North Collie in, uh, in Norfolk. And um, uh, I really I really had some really good memories back in the day uh, working there. Uh, also worked with a good friend who uh, is, is the chef at Streets now. In How long ago uh, was that? A while ago, uh, so we would have been probably early, early Southern Grit days. So six years ago. Or okay, more. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so just kind of what to like get your foot in the door, kind of learn some more stuff about the culinary world. Yeah. So when when uh, when Chris Fellini, who I mentioned earlier, he he was throughout restaurants his entire life. Uh, uh, well, you know, he's still alive, but anyways, uh, he uh, he had worked in restaurants, and I was coming at coming at at it much more as from kind of a art angle. Um, I, you know, was a photographer and uh, illustrator and, and designer. And, and so I felt like, well, you know, if I'm going to be a part of this, this food magazine, I need to, I, I need to know what it's like to be in a kitchen. I mean, oh yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I just felt like I'm not, <laughs> something's going to be missing here. Uh, and so I got a chance to work under her for a while and, um, really got to kind of, I, I think why it was important for me in relation to Southern Grit is that I realized how not simple it is and how, how hard, how much hard work goes into like being a part of a kitchen and running a kitchen as, as she did. And, and, uh, and Luke did. And oh, yeah. uh, it's definitely it's, not for the faint of heart. No, no. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the reason why, you know, sometimes unfortunately there's like alcohol problems and drug problems and oh like, yeah it's, no it's a super it's big a, thing it, it's a grind as i'm sure you know real well i mean it's it's a it's a real grind it's it, it, but there's also there's a family part of it that you know she even when you weren't there there was this mm-hmm. very much family vibe and and she kept in touch with everybody and, and no that's uh, great that's how like some of the best kitchens i've ever worked in are too you know it's it's really like it's like i tell people it's not for everyone you know it's it's not but at the end of the day you know you, you're well pe- we're people pleasers that's what i am at the end of the day is I, I like to make people happy and no better way to make people happy through delicious food um so that's why really that's at the end of the day why i'm a chef is because i like making pa- people happy and i'm so passionate about food you're much more altruistic than me. I'm, I'm much more like, <laughs> I usually have a motive or usually something interests me and then I fall into different aspects of it. Uh, well, I well, I have other stuff of that too, but I'm just saying like, that's what keeps me going. Like, you know, the real reason I became a chef is because my mom never cooked growing up and my dad always cooked. I'm sure, you know, from the first episode of the podcast, um, my mom never cooked growing up. My dad always did. My dad's not professionally trained, but I wanted to learn more about it. And I've just always been fascinated in the culinary industry and I've always felt fo- followed food trends and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I completely understand, man. What made, what made you want to, to, uh, 
to start talking to to like Virginia makers and creators? Like where where did where did where did that come from? Did so kitchens or so the past couple jobs I worked at, I did some like interesting like interview videos like on social media, and I saw a lot of interest in them, like talking to local businesses and stuff like that, like just kind of like learning about other local businesses. So I was thinking when I was thinking about starting this podcast, I was thinking of something different. That wasn't just me talking, you know, by myself or having a co-host. I, I was going to have a co-host in the beginning, but it kind of fell through. So I ended up just kind of going this route. And it, it, like I said, this is just kind of for fun. It's not to make money. It's just kind of to inform more people about different avenues of Virginia cooking and as well as just just shopping local, you know, with Paul being on there and hunger being on there, like highlighting really phenomenal products that can only be found in Virginia. So that's really the main reason I've just always been a big stickler on shopping local and supporting my friends. And, um, yeah. 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 No, I, I commend you on that. I mean, I, I, I pretty much have like, you know, a, a, a kitchen that has like a zillion different sauces and, 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 a, you know, zigging different things from like local Virginia places. And people mm -hmm. always ask, where, where'd you get that? Like, what, what even is that? And I'm just like, yo, you got to try this. And, mm -hmm. and then you show them and they're like, wow, I really want to try that. You know, I'm always to the place, um, you know, when we go into restaurants, like asking for like whatever local hot sauce they have. And then if it's really good, sometimes I'll try to buy it and stuff like that. Um, so next question I have for you. Um, so I know you've done some whole hog work in the past. Do you do that like pretty regularly or is that something like you're really passionate about learning more about or just doing in general? I know you really love just barbecue in general. I could, I could spend a lifetime honestly learning about that process. I mean, it is just, it, it, there is something, <laughs> I don't know, like primordial. I, I don't know what, it, it, there's something about, there's just nothing quite like, doing a Virginia cook like that, a Virginia barbecue, it's, I mean, you're inhaling smoke, you're, you, the, the smells of the, of the, of the pigs when they're, when they're, you know, on, on the fire, the, the repetition of, of making wood fired coals and keeping the burn barrel going, the, the basting, uh, you know, the smell mm -hmm. of when that Virginia, you know, that Virginia vinegar base like hits those hogs, like, there's really not anything like it. Um, do you do a lot of mopping? So before there were mops, there was a thing called the Virginia wand and okay. uh, big up again to, you know, <laughs> you gotta have, you need to have Joe Haynes on. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, so uh, he tracked down um, these old photographs of a pit master by the name of uh, Juba Garth. Uh, Virginia pitmaster who is holding this long uh, it's like, like a, a tree branch with like a rag attached to the to the end of it and so it's kind of like the precursor to like the when you see pitmasters mopping mopping meat and so uh, we've used those we we, we, we we recreate it that way to kind of like again understand this process and mm -hmm. uh, uh, so we we that pro that now here's another thing about that 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 vinegar and that base in part two is is to help to like again all in Joe Haynes' book. I told Joe I told Joe before I before I knew I was going on this when we were talking about it. I was like, when I go on this, I'm going to say your name like a thousand times because he's <laughs> had such a, such influence on me with barbecue over the last couple of years. But um, the uh, the base was also to protect from like burning the skin and, and things like that as well. Right. Right. And, right. And 
And so, yeah, that's definitely one of the main parts of the process whenever we do these cooks. Um, I've, I've done uh, a few with him and a few with Alex Bazemore, like I said earlier, in Suffolk. And I've also okay. uh, attended and documented um, a, a, an outfit that I highly recommend anybody that gets the opportunity to go see them do a barbecue. It's this outfit in the Shenandoah area um, in Woodstock, Virginia, 1752 barbecue. And, wow. Um, these guys are doing it like super big. So like the first time I saw them do a cook and documented it was at the uh, Shenandoah Autumn Fest in 2019. And they cooked like these giant, like, I don't know exactly how big they were, but I would guess like high hundreds, maybe like two high, like 180 to 200 and some pound, six of them. Uh, and it took them like 24 hours to, to get them done. So they were, you know, out there cooking forever. And to this day, that first bite, because I was lucky enough to be there when, like, they just took them off the pit and they were just breaking them down and giving them out to everybody that was attending the fest. It was several hundred people there, maybe wow. more than that. Um, those bites were maybe, I mean, if they weren't the best thing I've ever tasted, they were in, like, the top five. Oh, I mean, wow. they, they, it was it's an incredible experience. Um, we, we've got, we've done two pieces, um, relating to or, or speaking about 1752 and the work they do. Um, it, it, one in the newest edition of Southern grit that's actually sold out in print, but the online article is up online. And then one in the zero 13 edition. So a couple editions ago, um, that's more of like a, uh, a, a more straightforward about them and the work versus a more story and an article that the new one was. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess for four years now, I've been engaging really hard in, in Virginia whole hog cooks, either cooking them or uh, documenting them and, and, and getting the pitmaster stories and what drives them and their family backgrounds. And, um, and no, so it's really course. fascinating. It's super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So next question I have for you is what is your ultimate dream? Like if you didn't have Southern grit, if you didn't have what you do every day, what would you be doing? I mean, I, I honestly, I'm already doing, I, I wanted, I was an artist. I, I went to TCC and old dominion in, in Norfolk. And, uh, I, I wanted to be a working artist. I wanted to make images, uh, whether it be photography or, or drawing or, mm -hmm. or whatever. And so, I'm already doing what I want to do. Oh, and well, would, that's good. Yeah, the only thing, the only thing that I maybe would be better is, you know, obviously with everybody, I I would like to uh, make more money, but that's oh, never been, that's yeah. that's never been the that's more about like survival and, and not being, you know, not having to grind. Well, I'm probably never stop grinding, but but that that's more about just kind of like security and things like that. But yeah, of course. Um, but this this is this has been you know I, I get to I shoot like seventy five percent of the magazine um, I'm I'm able to to try and get the word out there about the the makers that are really ha having like a, a positive influence on uh, Virginia food and 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 Virginia foodways and the scene 
Um, and it's all with like my photography and, and my writing and, and, uh, my illustration. And then, so you do some of the graphics for the magazine too. So I lay out, I lay out the whole magazine. So all the design is me. I work with some really good photographers, uh, a couple really good illustrators and really, I can't say enough about our writers. I mean, that it doesn't matter how good it looks if we don't have really good writers. So, you know, the fact that um, George Booker writes for us and, and Deb Freeman writes for us and, uh, you know, we actually Joe's going to maybe be writing some more for us as well. Oh, I've wow. Been, I've been bugging him about it and trying to bribe him or whatever I need to do uh, to get him to write for us. So, so, um, so yeah, uh, I'm already kind of doing what I would do. I would just like to, to, you know, make it bigger. basically. Oh, of course. I mean, that's, that's when people ask me, I say the same thing. Cause my ultimate dream has been to be a private chef and it's just to get the word out there more and just grow and grow. Like my, you know, my dream goal is to be fully booked, <laughs> you know, for a year. That would be nice. <laughs> is it that, is it, is it just that, or is it, you don't want people telling you what to do? Cause I personally don't want anybody telling me what to well, do. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be able to make enough where I can do whatever I want, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So, you know, with that, who do you think is the most influential person in your life? Um, and it can be a chef. It can be a family member. It can be anyone. I, I can give you, I can give you a couple. So, okay. uh, yeah. I'll probably think about it. So, Obviously, everyone's going to go, it's Joe Haynes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to barbecue, he's definitely been this giant influence. I mean, if I hadn't have met Joe, oh, let me say something about Joe, too, for anybody out there listening. So go buy his book because uh, we also, as, as well as like not knowing about our food ways, and this is the easy way to, to get to know more is reading his book, but uh, also... Uh, there are scenes like uh, it's weird. You say, you know, the South Carolina Charleston scene, there's scenes like that where like uh, different scholars and different writers, they're, they're just seen with more reverence. And that really helps because it's a, it's a feedback and an exchange between these historians and these writers and the chefs. And when these two things start to meld and, and these people feel respected uh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, several people there, uh, engaging with different chefs. Like it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's better for the scene. And the fact that like, I know right now that Joe's third book is going to get published from a publishing place, I think in, uh, South Carolina and not somewhere in Virginia really, really bothers me that like, the next great Virginia barbecue book is not going to be published in Virginia. I, 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 just, I feel like there's something massively wrong with that. Why is that? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, it must be pricing or something. I, I, I think that, that there, there is a false narrative about barbecue that is kind of like understood, but it's completely wrong about its origins and, where it comes from and, and who people should be talking about. And I think that Joe's book flies in the face of a lot of that. And I think that people don't know what to make of that. But if you look at the research, I triple dare anybody to tell me that he's making anything up because it's so well fact-checked and it's so well researched. And, and I, I don't know. I, 
I, I, I, I bet it's that though. I think that he bucks against the normal narrative that you hear about barbecue. And, and I think just in general, because Virginia barbecue, in part, because we we're not a, we're not a restaurant tradition when mm-hmm. it comes to barbecue. That, that's not how barbecue began. Uh, it began as it, it, political and it began as social events and it still holds that value here more than some other places. And it's still done that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe the problem that, and we didn't call it because it was born here. We didn't call it Virginia barbecue. We just called it barbecue. So yeah. that, that marketing thing of like North Carolina barbecue wasn't there. So yeah, Joe, Joe would be a, a massive influence. Um, uh, my father would be influenced in the sense that he's always, I've been lucky enough to have a great father who always believed in me. So uh, no matter how tough a guy I knew he believed in me, which was enough. I didn't need the validation of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so uh, you know, prob- probably those two. I, I'm influenced by a lot of people when it comes to photography. Gordon Parks is a big influence uh, okay. with art, like Egon Sheila. But, but, uh, but yeah, prob- probably my father, and then, and then recently in terms of the influence on Southern Good, probably Joe Haynes. No, that's really good. Those are two really important, and you know my father's a big influence for me as well as we talked about so that's really important so next question i have for you do you have a favorite chef at all i think the best chef in virginia right now and honestly i would say he could hold his, this is why we were talking about earlier about uh you know like we don't have like what the restaurant quality is uh, i'm sure you've been you've been to legrand before right oh of course yeah legrand kitchen yeah legrand yeah yeah so, and they had another place called hoyt's and it was really good too yeah, yeah, I've been well, and then before Hoyts, it was like a seafood place too. Oh, right? Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, Steve Marsh, a uh, Pungo native, is uh, is probably uh, my favorite chef. If like I had to pick, you know, somebody to go mm-hmm. to the restaurant, it would be him. Um, but you know, the other weird thing is um, a lot of times at these like community cooks. I'll taste things that are better than at a lot of restaurants. And I, I, and I think that is part of the other problem. I mean, I've had Brunswick stew. See Brunswick stew is, uh, is really pisses me off. Like how it's, how it's seen here because Mm -hmm. like people think that that like thin stuff that you see in some restaurants is like Brunswick stew and it's not. No, it's not. It's gotta be super thick and tons of vegetables and tons of meats. Yep, yep. It's got to be it, it, the consistency's got to be right. It was originally made with squirrel back in the day. Before yeah, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, so like I've had Brunswick stew from a couple stew masters in in the area. There's a guy by the name of Clyde Clyde Eco that's in Lawrenceville, Virginia. That does actually does have a restaurant, this little quaint restaurant uh, called the Clubhouse Grill in Lawrenceville, which uh, is almost. Well, I don't want to say anything bad about Lawrenceville, but it's it's it needs to there needs to be some revitalization there, uh, simply if not because it's like the home of Brunswick stew. Uh, but Clyde Eco, uh, Chef Clyde Eco, he would probably say I'm a cook, I'm not a chef. But uh, so Cook Clyde Eco makes makes one of the dishes that is the best thing I've ever eaten. His Brunswick stew is uh, is off the charts. That's uh, good. Yeah, so, that's, that's awesome. So, so yeah. But I would say Chef Wise, uh, Stephen Marsh, somebody that, uh, you know, he learned from, from I, I know he was under like Harper, Bradshaw, 
uh, in Suffolk. Um, and uh, no, Legrand uh, is solid. You know, I've I've been to yeah. Legrand and Hoyts, and they were both phenomenal. My my dad's a big foodie as well, so he finds all the good restaurants on the south side and lets me know. Um, so next question: Do you cook at all at home? Yes. Uh, What's your my... favorite dish to cook? <laughs> so uh, I cook I cook at home because of absolute resource because my and my my better half is going to kill me but uh i'm with a phenomenal woman who is a insanely hardworking professional who very very rarely has time to cook so i end up cooking uh and uh i wish that wasn't the case but uh but yes mm-hmm. primarily me um i what's my favorite thing to make yes <sighs> Uh, so I, I went down this rabbit hole a long time ago and, uh, uh, really got into making pho because Mm -hmm. my better half is is like a giant, uh, fan of, of citrusy things. So like some, this like citrusy bowl of pho, one of the best things to eat in the, uh, in any type of cold or fall or winter uh probably that i'm I'm probably the best at making that in terms of like a a dish that like making a really flavorful broth and then putting good meats in with it yep yeah because that's probably the most labor intensive thing i make in terms of time oh yeah uh, and 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 prep and and that whole thing so so that's probably my best very unvirginian of me but (laughs) uh i don't know uh so probably that that would probably be the best thing I'm, I'm I am in terms of like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna flex for somebody it'd be that. Okay. What about, what about you? Like like you cook so much. Like what do you? <laughs> I always, always like to ask us what do you cook at home? And normally they're like either I'm not cooking or. So I'm people making- always ask this a lot. Um, we do a lot of like sous vide cooking. So we'll cook a lot like sous vide a lot of meat, and then that way it can just be a quick dinner. Um. You know, during the week, I'll usually cook a lot. Weekends are just so crammed with stuff. Yeah. We, t- we tend to go out a lot, too. Um, I'm foodie okay. as well, so support support local as much as we can. But really sous vide meats. We do a lot of, like, kava-type bowls, like healthier mm. stuff. During the month of February, we're, we're like, not trying not to eat out and, you know, no soda and that kind of stuff. So, so doing a lot of sous vide, and that's been good, and a lot of steaks and... A lot of chicken, a lot of pork chops, stuff like that. I always do a homemade sauce with it, though, um, and I always do some sort of side and vegetable with it. So it, it's it's quality stuff, you know. Just we're all busy, so I don't know if you've done much sous vide cooking, but it's really good for people that are on the run or on the go or just constantly busy or want to infuse some really good flavors into whatever you're cooking. So yeah, that's probably like my go-to right now. Um, other than that, um, what is your favorite Southern dish? Other than Brunswick uh, uh, stew, or or barbecue, I, I tell you <laughs> what, I, I'm I'm very interested in a dish. Uh, well, let me ask you. I wanted to ask you this question. Speaking of southern dishes, have you ever? Do you know what fried crab is? And I don't mean like um, not like, like a, soft shells, right? No, no, not. I'm not talking about soft shells. So this is another like thing. Uh, the creator of uh, Gravy Magazine and uh, I think he's the former head of the SFA, John T. Edge, written a bunch of books that are really great too. He actually came to Norfolk and tried fried crab at, um, oh, now I'm going to forget the name of it. It's right across the street from LeBron, TNT Seafood. Okay. Right? And 
this is maybe like one of the most weird, interesting dishes, Southern dishes I've ever had where they actually take like hard shell crab, blue crab and fry it. Put in the shell? In yeah. In like, so there's batter on the outside of the shell. Huh? Yeah. I've never heard of that ever. So, so this, this is a, this is a, uh, there, there, this is very popular, uh, in the, uh, Hampton Roads African-American community. Um, you often find them at like, uh, Asian restaurants like TNT and some other places. Um, and so you basically like crack the crab, you end up inevitably getting like the fried, the fried batter and stuff like, you know, the fry on your hands. Right. And then you like grab the the meat and then the batter and like eat it together. And, Interesting. uh, and it's one, of, it's don't get me wrong. It's delicious. It's maybe the messiest thing. I've oh, ever it's heard. gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta yeah, be the messiest yeah. thing. <laughs> that's, that's... One of the most, that's one of the most interesting, uh, Southern dishes that I've had. Um, uh, I mean, you know, my my favorite is barbecue, like southern barbecue. Yeah, uh, of course. And from the food, and also I'm I'm looking to um, try a uh, a dish soon called chicken muddle, which is similar to Brunswick stew, and was uh, created in Virginia as well in the Emporia area. And so okay. I'm like looking forward to trying that soon as well. And I recommend anybody that hasn't has it, track it down as well because you're tasting some Virginia history that goes back oh, a long yeah. time. Oh yeah. So now what's your favorite style of barbecue? Like, do you like brisket? Do you like smoked chicken? Do you like pulled pork? Do you like pulled chicken? What's your go-to? So I would, I would have to say that, uh, a, a finely minced barbecue sandwich done properly is, 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 and I say minced because in Carolina, you're going to hear chopped mm-hmm. or pulled in Virginia, it was originally minced or sliced. Okay. And uh, and so uh, probably um, I really have an affinity for that. Uh, now, do you like it on a sandwich? Do you like it like platter style, or how do you like it? Both, uh, both depending on uh, if I'm going to um, uh, like really go in hard. If I'm going to go in hard on like a big platter, mm-hmm. then. Uh, that I'm going to do like, you know, probably not on a sandwich because I don't want the bread, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, pro- probably that. And, and, and that's really not the thing that gets loved, you know, when it comes to the barbecue scene, it's a lot about, you know, the Texas brisket. Um, oh yeah. Now are you doing yeah. vinegar based sauce on there? Or like what is your go-to sauce? Yes. Yes. Vinegar. Coleslaw or no? Say again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Got to have coleslaw. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well yeah man there's people that don't eat it with coleslaw i don't i don't understand where they come with them uh unfortunately i'm one of those people man and i'm a chef uh, but it's just the mayonnaise thing i think I, I like so i so i do slaw on my barbecue i make it myself but i do it i do it a light vinegar pickle and then i do like a molasses like kansas city style sauce that's what i that's what i go for is like a molassesy little bit tangy and then with the pickled slaw on it it gives it a different component bite so next question i I have for you go ahead i I was gonna say i bet that's good um uh molasses uh there's a guy ian bodden who is the owner of ian bodden the shack right yeah he makes a barbecue sauce that is outrageously good a um 
It's either a sorghum or a molasses. It's sorghum. Must- I want to say I've tried it because when I was at the Williamsburg Winery, um, Chef Ian Robbins was there. He's now at the um, Founders Inn of Virginia Beach, but he worked with Ian Bowden a lot at the shack in Richmond. Yeah, he's super talented in that that sorghum mustard barbecue sauce. That, oh, that yeah, I've tried it. It's, it's solid. It's really, really it's good. Super- I like mustard-based barbecue sauce as well a lot. Yep, yep. So next question, do you have a favorite rub that you go to like when you make your own rub do you make your own do you buy it do you have a anyone you want to plug yes uh the best rub i've ever had uh for barbecue is by the guys i mentioned earlier 1752 barbecue Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if they're selling anymore because i know they're like working on a brick and mortar now uh so i don't know if that's up or not also uh i've had some good stuff by that guy uh local unkies or however you say that unky seasoning oh uh, yeah i've seen that yeah my uh better half uh was telling me about that that not i don't know a while ago and i tried it and really really enjoyed it all right man so next question i have for you what is your favorite local hot sauce uh i've got three of them so uh, hunger as we mentioned hunger's before. good their table red or which one table, table red table, yeah, their red, table red has replaced all my tabasco <laughs> Yep, yep. It's it's a that's just a phenomenal hot sauce. Um, everything Speedies makes is good. Pretty yep, much. Speedies. The, guy, the guys are crafting. Yep, true craftsman. That guy. Um, and then uh, also there here's a kind of underground one that maybe you haven't heard of or some people haven't heard. Of. There's a hot sauce by a guy by the name of Aaron Warren, uh, in. I forget which city he's in in Hampton Roads, but it's called Taste Fire Seven Five Seven. And I have to get you to link me that and we can include it in the show notes too. Cause that sounds really good. Yeah. He, he, um, makes a bunch of wild hot sauces. He grows all the stuff out in his garden and, uh, all the peppers and the whole thing. And he makes like a variety of, of really cool hot sauces. And, uh, I've always really liked his stuff. I'll have to check that out. So I have one for you. Have you ever heard of Ashburn? over in virginia beach so they are a hot sauce bottling company and they'll like anyone that's making their own hot sauce you can go there and bottle it like at their processing facility but they have their own as well they do like bloody mary mix and then they do a really good um carolina reaper hot sauce Mm -hmm. um i actually tried it first at a a restaurant in virginia beach called civil libation um and they gave it to me when i got my chicken and waffles and i tried it and i was like you know carolina reaper i hadn't tried that before i was like it's probably crazy hot um, but it was so good, man. Like this, the, the sweetness and the hotness just goes so well together. You definitely have to check it out. Ashburn. Ashburn. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in the hot sauce. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. So next let's go. What's your favorite of all time barbecue sauce? I already talked about mine being the Kansas city molasses base. You think yours is just vinegar based or. Yeah. I mean, there, so, uh, I've already like talked so much. I won't go into this, but there's, there are a bunch of different regional, barbecue sauces that that started in virginia and then made their way outside of virginia and like interpretations of those so we were talking yeah. earlier yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah but i think if i had to pick one um king's barbecue in petersburg makes a makes a barbecue sauce that i just cannot get enough of hmm. i'll have to try uh, that that sounds really good I you know who also I, has really good barbecue sauce scoots and gloucester mm, okay yeah i'm familiar yeah, I, I would I would say if I had to if I had to pick one, it would probably be Kings right now. I've I've been eating a lot of lot of that barbecue sauce on things like it's. it's and really and good. what style is that? 
so it's kind of like a, 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 a it's not too sweet. It's like a mustard. I think it does have mustard in it. Um, what color is it? Uh, kind of like a brown, lighter brownish kind of thing. Okay, so it might be ketchup based with some molasses or something. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't know if it's ketchup based. Okay. Uh, yeah, you'd be able to yeah. tell if it's ketchup based. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I know that it's literally like the last couple of times that like I've put barbecue sauce in anything. It's that bottle of that King's barbecue sauce. Yeah, you have like, to send me a picture of that later because that sounds really good. I'm interested. I'm always all about the sauce. I always have like 15, 20 different sauces available. <laughs> yeah, King King's is like a super old barbecue restaurant in Petersburg that, uh, that. Honestly, like I, I, I've eaten there a couple of times. I'm not super. I don't think their barbecue's bad, but I'm. It's not like on my top tier. But that but sauce, the sauce is, is good. So well, so good. At least they got something right, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you can just buy the sauce and make your own barbecue. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, that's what. See, I'm. I'm always shooting barbecue, so I'm always bringing barbecue home, and it's like. Oh yeah. Anytime sure. something's been sitting for a minute or it might be a little too dry, it's like give me that king's. Man, so you barely have to cook at home anyways then because you're just always bringing barbecue home from these shoots. You should have like an entire fridge full of that stuff at all times. <laughs> that and Brunswick stew and, and Shenandoah Valley barbecue chicken, like there's, especially like over the last year, there's been a lot of food brought back. Uh, oh, yeah. Next time just be like, look, my wife is really busy and they'll understand and let us give you a whole bunch more to take home with you. I do. I, you know what? I should have mentioned this too. Uh, I tried the um, rip now. Here's the thing. It's going to sound like I hate other forms of barbecue. I don't. I, mm -hmm. I like like I like Texas barbecue. I don't get me wrong. I like Texas style barbecue. Um, we wrote a big thing about Texas style sausage in Virginia uh, in the last edition. I had the Redwood Smoke Shack sauce uh, recently. Their barbecue sauce. I've heard that's really I, good. I haven't tried them yet. That that was really good. Um, anybody that is into like Texas style. Uh, barbecue go to these three places redwood smoke shack and hampton roads obviously zzq in richmond which like everybody has been like lauding nationally and then there's a place in um northern virginia and arlington called sloppy mamas that's also really good hmm. and yeah and all three of those for me like we we spent months traversing the state trying texas style sausage in any Texas barbecue place that existed. I mean, we, we ate everywhere on a couple of occasions. Unfortunately, we even got some heartburn. Like, oh, <laughs> we wow. were, I'm sure. Trying sausage everywhere. And also obviously like brisket and other things they had. And, uh, I would say those three are like the, the best three Texas style barbecue restaurants in, in the Commonwealth. And then, uh, Redwood sauce is really good. Yeah, I'm gonna try that for sure. So, next question: We talked about some of your favorite local, you know, barbecue restaurants. What about favorite local restaurant, just in general? Like, if you're not gonna get barbecue, where's your go-to? Let's see. Um, in Richmond or Hampton or just all of Virginia? Just wherever. Uh, so I would say in Richmond, there's this there's this really cool place I go to a lot. Uh, that has the best yeah yeah the the, be, the best uh pho that i've had uh and oh man i'm never going to be able to pronounce that ask me that question again <laughs> <laughs> i've never i'm not going to sound like the guy that could not pronounce the i'll, I'll go with a different one because that's i'm never going to be able to pronounce that correctly 
Yeah, that's fine. So favorite local restaurant, if you didn't have to pick that place or barbecue place. I, I would, I would, I would probably. Ah man, that's really difficult because there's so like I'm out eating everywhere all the time. <laughs> there's uh, got to be something, man. There's got to be something you're like, man, I'm really craving that tonight. You know, I just really want that. Yeah, but see, those are those are like those are things that are like. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it can be anything, man. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> uh, He's ashamed to say it, guys. It's McDonald's. No, 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 no. But I would never, I would never hate on anybody that's that's getting fries. Fries and McDonald's are delicious. Oh, um, of course. Uh, hmm. What is the what is how, what is the name of that one? Okay, what about Hampton Roads? Is that easier? That that's easier just because I'm so much I'm so much more familiar about Let's it. Let's do so, that then. Yeah. All right. So Harper's Table in Suffolk is is phenomenal. Southern cooking, really, really good. Uh, Mentioned earlier, I always and kind of underappreciated. Novell, uh, Rena Estar is really good. Uh, Esoteric in Virginia Beach doesn't get enough love, and it should. Uh, also, a great place where, like, if you're looking for nibbles and not something big, and you want to have some beers or or something to drink, that's like I love that place. Uh, I wish I could get there more often. Um, all three of those are really good in, in terms of like uh, you know Southern influence type stuff. Uh, if I was going to go with uh, like something Asian influenced, then it's Judy's in uh, Virginia Beach, uh, the Szechuan place. Is really that like, like Korean it. fried chicken? No, 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 no. Uh, so uh, uh, Szechuan uh, Chinese, so like um, uh, Dan Dan noodles. Oh, and, okay, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if uh, there used to be a Korean fried chicken place I liked a lot in Gimp, but it's, uh, it, it's no longer there. And the So I recently tried a Korean fried chicken place, and I believe it it's a franchise, but it's phenomenal. It's called CM Chicken. Have you heard of it? Yeah, there's one in, there's one in Richmond as well. Have you tried it? Yeah, it's it's really good, but it's it, it's it's like second or third for me, but very good. And also, yeah. they don't they don't play around with the heat there. Like they're no, like, they don't. Yeah, they definitely don't. yeah. Yeah, I just, just I like you... I like heat a lot, so that's yeah. that's like my go-to. Yeah. I'm a fried chicken; it's my favorite. So, next question I have for you: What motivates you? Like, when you wake up every morning, is it Virginia barbecue? Is it the history of our state? Like, what is what makes Fitz, you know, shoot for the stars? Time to get real narcissistic now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, death is what motivates me. Uh, okay, I, I'm as as the philosophical thing about you're marching towards a infinite oblivion like i i don't i'm i'm not like religious i i feel a lot of times that like this may all be for naught. so i'm i'm constantly trying to like leave a mark on the things that i'm either good at or interested in and uh so it's it's really is like as sad or weird as that is no it's not weird it's not sad it's a really good it's i mean it's putting it putting it realistically you know like and i i'm the same way like i always want to make a difference and give back to the community because i never had it growing up and i just uh, you know we never know when our lives could be cut short yeah yeah it's, it's definitely like well, see, you made it sound. You're talking about helping people, and <laughs> you made it. You made it sound much better than me. I, I want to. I want. I want to feel like this was. This was not just some 
arbitrary. Yeah, but you still are helping people just in a different way, right? Well, you know, I, I've I've talked. You're to informing people. Yes, I, for sure. Like I've 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 actually I've a lot. There's a lot of people that I've talked to that either have publications or they or like event organizers or uh, people that own even though they don't, they're having a hard time. But like, I used to know a lot of people that own like record labels. And Uh the thing is, is that yes, you end up helping people and yes, you end up, uh, you know, informing people. But I I think deep down, most people that are into that, they are into it because they really enjoy it. But then they're also into it because they want to shape something they want to leave like a mark or some type of legacy or some type of thing that, that matters, or at least for me, that's what, right, that's what you like, want to do. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, so that's, that's the motive. that's not as altruistic. And then, and then what comes of that is that you meet people that you respect and then, and that you see are doing things either in the same way or similar to it, or, or you feel that they, their work, is something that you respect shared and you off and respect and, and and that's a cool thing with the magazine you know you get to highlight these people and show off these people to the world and i think i guess my other question would be so so is you you know the southern grit is like that kind of what you want your legacy to be like you always want to be known for that of course right <laughs> sorry to get a little personal but i think it was a good cool no, thing no, to no, go. no, no, no. I, I would like i would like to be I guess I would like to be known for being one of the people that helped people rediscover how much this, this state and the people of this state, the people in the past of the state really developed American food. And, and, um, we are already accomplishing that man. Well, I mean, we, you know, we sold, you know, a couple thousand magazines last time to the South and, and to the state. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I could make a living on that. I could pay some people that, that, that are really good photographers and writers, but like the, I want to feel like a lot of people do. I want to feel like the time and energy and who I am and what I put into it matters. And I think right. that's what a lot of us are, are, are a lot chasing. Of people struggle. And yeah, what, definitely. Whether, whether or not whether or not any of this actually matters is highly up for debate, but I still try to convince myself on the better days that it does, and mm-hmm. I like to be friends with and and shed the light or shine the light on other people who I feel what they are doing matters to other people. Well, that's great. That's that was a really good answer. So another question I have is. If you could travel anywhere in the United, or not in the United States, anywhere in the world, and try the food from there, where would it be and why? Japan, period. Okay. Uh, because um, I am a giant uh, seafood fan, and all of the wonderful uh, crabs can be found there. Okay. <laughs> I want, I, I want all of them, and I hope I can afford all of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to eat all the crab. You just want to try every different uh, kind of crab in the world. I, I want all the crab. Like, like that's awesome. Every, 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 I've been lucky enough to uh, to travel a lot of the United States and try a lot of food in a lot of places. And um, 
there are there are definitely uh, you know there's a you get more of a well-roundedness by being in other places, but oh, I yeah. definitely outside of the country I definitely want I definitely 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 will be going. I hope to go to Japan soon actually, wow. like relatively soon, like awesome, next man. year. That's great. And yeah. I'm eating all I'm eating all the crab. Like <laughs> you got to take a picture with like holding like all every single crab they have. Yeah, I'm 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 so jealous of these uh, YouTube uh, food bloggers that uh, that that get to go to those markets and stuff. I want all yes, I want all the crap. Oh, I love that. I love like Anthony Bourdain, like Parts Unknown and stuff like that. Like watching all those, him going to the seafood markets and that stuff. Like it's so fascinating to me. Awesome, man. Well, you know, I think it's about time to wrap up here. We've been going for about an hour and five minutes. We've talked about some phenomenal stuff today on the podcast. Um, is there any fun things you want to announce or do any self-promotion? Um, I do want to just talk about one thing real quickly. Um, if anybody is into watermelons, check out, check out southerngripmagazine.com. We work extensively with heirloom watermelons and, uh, we just, we have like a cool little, like some YouTube stuff up about, uh, heirloom watermelons and, We've gotten some press recently from like some other outlets, Gardening Gun, the Virginian Pilot, uh, some other places, all centered around uh, growing uh, heirloom watermelons and then traversing the South uh, via car to like meet with farmers and uh, different growers that are growing like rare Southern heirlooms. Uh, Weren't you so, looking for them, like hunting for them at one time too? Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't, my, my partner said, don't talk about that because you're going to talk your, you're going to talk his ear off about heirloom <laughs> and it'll be the most boring thing. And instead what I did is talk your ear off about barbecue. But, uh, but yeah, um, uh, if anybody is into heirloom watermelons, uh, I think you will really like our heirloom hunters, uh, articles on southerngripmagazine.com and the, uh, heirloom hunters, uh, video about the Odell's white watermelon, which is the only heirloom watermelon attributed to an African-American grower, even though a lot of those probably came from Africa and there's stories and some, some documentation about literally enslaved people having seeds in their hair coming wow. over here. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah That's uh, so fascinating. People are definitely gonna be interested in that. Cause I'm interested in that. Yeah, uh, the Odell's White Watermelon, we did a whole video on it, uh, was, um, it's on our YouTube page. Uh, yeah, I'll link that down below. I'm going to watch that right after this as well. Yeah, we, we did a whole thing on that, and it's uh, an enslaved man by the name of Harry in South Carolina uh, developed that watermelon, and it's attributed to him. Um, wow, and it's still growing and, now? Yes, there's, there's a, um, a, God, I can't remember his name. Um, there's a historian in South Carolina. I was reaching for it. Or David Shields. I, I hate when my mind does that. David <laughs> Shields uh, is a uh, professor and writer in South Carolina, and um, and a myriad of other things. And he helped track it down. And there was this grower that was preserving it. I don't have his name in front of me. Uh, I should though, but I don't. And um, they it was known under another name stone mountain i believe or something like that and okay. it's it's the original odell's white watermelon which at one time rivaled for all my you know melon heads <laughs> uh, <laughs> rivaled um the bradford watermelon which you may have seen on like pbs or some other places um as one of the revitalized great southern watermelons that nat bradford's growing in sumter south carolina the odell's was 
arrival of that watermelon and, and there's one grower in Virginia that's growing it. Uh, and what is the I, flavor profile like on the white so watermelon? It's, a, it's the Odell's white is a pink, a pink fleshed watermelon, a really sweet, a lot of seeds, but it's not like crazy bad, but like there are a lot of seeds. Uh, it is super sweet. Uh, it is, um, I think it has like a, a bit of like a, almost like a wine flavor. It, it's a, hmm. it like, it like the Bradford are very complex tasting watermelons. They, they don't, they're not just like, uh, like straight sweet. They're still very sweet, but they have other like, flavor components to them. Yes. They, they have That's other awesome. flavor components and, and, uh, the, we got to try that. There's one grower, uh, a, a guy at Crump town farm in, in Virginia that, uh, in Farmville, Virginia, ironically enough that uh that grows that and you can still get them from him uh i'm not sure what his website i don't have his website but it's like farm it's a crumb town farm in farmville virginia nice. and then they they've preserved it uh in south carolina um and i believe the southern exposure seed exchange which is a really good seed place in um virginia may be selling those now due to the work of David Shields and that other grower who I'm, who's really the guy that, that like was still growing it in South Carolina. I believe they may, right. it may be, maybe sent over there. Yeah. Uh, I could talk to you forever about yeah, that. That's super interesting. So, well, let's, uh, it's time to wrap it up now. It's, it's been so great, man. I, I just wanted to kind of get you to put out your social media so people could follow you and check out more and I'll link them down below. Do you want to go ahead and announce those a little bit? Yeah, uh, magazine.com uh, is the main website. That's our digital version. Uh, we basically sell out of print. We'll, we'll we upload everything online, like after the print. Uh, and then um, for Facebook, Southern Grit Mag, or Facebook.com slash Southern Grit Mag, just M-A-G. We're active on Instagram and everywhere else, but those are the two main ones. And also before I guys, I, I actually want to thank you, man. We need, we didn't really get to talk too much about this, but the state needs more people involved in journalism, podcasts, writers that are talking about Virginia makers. And the fact that that's like something that you're seeking out and you're having on your show. And I'm not just saying this, like I'm, I believe this strongly is like very cool, super important. And anybody that hears this, that might follow Southern grid or anything, uh, definitely follow chef duncan and definitely follow his, his podcast because you are engaging with with people that are making great virginia foods and and products and that's like we need to champion that more so kudos to you for doing that man thanks man i really appreciate it well once again guys thank you guys so much for joining us for episode eight of the spice of life podcast with fitz from southern grit magazine it's been such a phenomenal time talking to him today and i hope you guys have a great rest of your day thanks so much man and talk to you soon